If you've got a tiny house, I'm going to help you to love it in this episode. You're listening to Little Debbie, a bite-sized version of the podcast, Upcycling with Deb. I'm your host, Deb Colometta. I wrote a number one best-selling book called Best Offer, Best Life, and it teaches you how to leverage online yard sales to get the wealth that you want. I hope you'll get your free downloadable guide on my website, thedebsite.com. One of my big motivations is empowering people in their own space. It's a terrible feeling when you walk around your house and you're like, ugh, it's so crowded, we need more space, I'm unhappy here, I'll be so much happier if we have a bigger house. And then you take out a bigger mortgage, you go through the pain in the neck process of moving, and you get settled in your new house, you bring all your junk with you, and you realize that you just are starting to accumulate more junk and you're back to square one again. I like to empower people to feel good about their space where they are right now, whether it's on TV through decluttering shows or famous bloggers or famous people. If you have a gigantic house, like a mansion, and you're telling me how to declutter, I don't want to hear about it. I am like a decluttering ninja because I have to be. And the small house, instead of becoming like a liability, it's actually an asset in my battle against clutter. It helps keep me honest with my decluttering efforts because if I let up for a little while, it gets crowded very quickly. So it's great because it gives me a good baseline and it doesn't allow me to overbuy. I don't have a lot of margin for error with my clutter. But there are so many benefits beyond just that when you have a smaller house or a house that you think is too small for your space. That's why I encourage people to try decluttering before you go about moving. You've got to put the effort in one way or the other. You might as well try to make it work. Face the music. Face your clutter. Figure out why you bought that stuff in the first place. Prevent it from happening. And then you've kind of solved the problem while keeping your mortgage the same as it is unless you're downsizing. That's another area of wealth. If you keep your mortgage more reasonable, if you've built up that equity in your home, you can hang on to it and you can have more financial freedom. So at this point, I almost feel bad for people in wrong sized houses, too small, too big. The wrong size is the wrong size. And I'm probably not as cluttered as I thought because I saw one time a famous person was decluttering. She had an extra spare bedroom wouldn't that be nice? That was just a junk catch-all. So even though sometimes I might walk around my small house and think, oh, I'm talking about decluttering and here all my stuff makes me feel cluttery sometimes, it's still not as bad as somebody else. There's always someone else who's more cluttered than you. When you have a bigger house and you have kids and you start to get more toys to fill the space, oh, now we have a a toy room, we have a playroom, we can add more toys. The toys themselves lose the currency after a while. When your kids get too many toys, they start to get overwhelmed and they don't even look at them. It's like when I feed my son and I overload his plate, sometimes he actually eats less because he's like, I don't know what to eat first, so I'm just not gonna eat anything. But if you give them a smaller portion and they finish it, there's that sense of satisfaction. And then they ask for seconds. It's like that with toys. When you give them too many, each one, the value of each one gets watered down. It loses its currency, its value to the kids. So there are many more benefits to having a small house. 
nobody asks to stay overnight because they know you don't have room. And there's no expectation that you would have house guests because you don't have the extra room to keep them. You don't have to host big holiday dinners because you don't have the room or the kitchen to make these crazy lavish holiday dinners. Or if you do, maybe people don't want to be feeling crowded in your home. So you get to curate your guest list and not feel bad about leaving certain people that you don't like off the guest list because you just don't have the room for them. No one will want to move into your house one day. If you have a big house with a guest house or a couple of extra bedrooms, there might be that expectation that someone can stay with you for a night or a couple of weeks. But in a small house, that will never happen. (laughs) Ain't nobody going to want to crash on your couch because they're going to be in the middle of the central location of the traffic in your home. Low mortgage, building up the equity in your home. You get to keep your mortgage lower and manageable. You can refinance. You've got that equity built up in your home. And that's one of the ways you have that wealth, that freedom to do what you want. It's easy to maintain. It's easier to clean a small house. I can't imagine cleaning a bigger house. I have a small house and I find it so hard to keep up with as a small house that I actually have a cleaning person clean it. And P.S. That's another benefit of having a small house. When you do hire a cleaning person to clean it, it's cheaper because they're cleaning less square footage. And that's usually how you get charged by the size of the home. And people say, why do you need a house cleaner if you have a little house? Well, having a smaller house is why you need a house cleaner because there's nowhere to hide the mess. So having a house cleaner come in and help me stay on top of it is an important thing. Now, throughout the lockdown, we did not have the house cleaner come in and it did fall to me. The problem is I never had that deadline of, oh, I know the house cleaner is coming next Thursday and I got to sort through this bin before because I don't want it in the middle of the living room when she comes to vacuum or whatnot. Having the house cleaner forces me every couple of weeks to take an inventory of what's out in my space, what needs to be thrown away, what needs to be put back into storage or discarded. And it's like a little mental reset button every two weeks. We really missed that when we didn't have her coming during the pandemic. So a small house does get messier faster, but it's also easier to clean up. A small house forces me to keep on top of it, keep on top of the mess, keep on top of the clutter. I don't save it for a future date and then never get around to it. So it's kind of like a built-in system that helps me stay on top of keeping my house looking good and feeling better. We also have a lot of activities in this house. And when you've got virtual learning, you've got sports going on, you've got people going in different directions. If your house is a mess, you tend to lose things. So by having a smaller house, that's easier to clean, easier to maintain. We stay organized and we lose things less. So that's another reason to love your small house. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have a bigger house one day if that opportunity dropped into my lap, but I'm not actively pursuing it and being all wistful and longing for it and letting it consume my thoughts of, oh, I wish we had a bigger house. I have freed myself from that mentality. And I realized that if I did have a bigger house and I brought all my current stuff I probably would look like a minimalist because everything would be so spread out that it would look like it was, you know, clearer and more spaced out and that there would be clearer spaces and clearer countertops. I don't want it being held against me if it looks like I have a little extra stuff in my home because I have smaller square footage. 
with a bigger house, you have more light bulbs to change, you have more lights, you have more furniture to buy. When we moved to this small house, I almost passed out because we went to a blinds and shades store and the bill came to like $2,000 for only a couple of windows. Now, granted, they were excellent quality. We still have those blinds today and we've taken them back to the store several times for them to honor their lifetime guarantee. And they do. That's an example of when you invest money in a quality product with good customer service, it really is worth it. And we've definitely gotten our value out of these beautiful Roman shades that we have. But that was just a couple of windows. I believe it was maybe five to seven windows and it was that much money. And I just think to myself, okay, if you have a, a big house, you probably have more like 20 windows. How, how do you even come up with the window coverings for all that without them all looking kind of chintzy? So these are all real expenses that come with a bigger house that we just don't have in a smaller home. And it's easier to heat. Heating bills can be very expensive. And when you have a small home, you pay for less heat. When I was talking with someone who obviously had a bigger house and had plenty of money to pay for it, he thought it was unbelievable that my heating bill was as low as it was. He's like, no, 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 there must be something wrong. Do you have like solar panels? Nope, just oil heat. That's what we have in our neighborhood. And our heating bill, even though oil is traditionally more expensive, it's reasonable because we have a small home. And he was saying how expensive it is to heat his home. When I lived in Syracuse, we split a heating bill that was about $1,000 a month for a small three-bedroom apartment. We were freezing every single day. So it wasn't even like we um, we spent $1,000 a month and we were warm and walking around in t-shirts and shorts or something in the middle of winter. We were freezing. I mean, we had to wear gloves sometimes and cut the fingers out to type our term papers because the older houses had these drafty walls. They barely had any insulation. They were made before insulation was probably invented. And uh, the, the heat just went right out the window. And at that time, I remember that the provider, Niagara Mohawk, had a ad campaign with a mother bundling up her child. And you think, oh, the kid's getting ready to go outside and play in the snow. They're going to be cold, but now they'll be cozy. But then she ends up putting the child to bed and how sad that was. And that time period really taught me something. When you have a house where you're dependent on heat because you live in a, a place where it can get cold, if the utilities can fluctuate that much, it can really put a strain or crush your finances. And that's exactly what was happening. I mean, we were in college, our, you know, my parents were paying for my college tuition, but then I had to call home every month and tell them that they had to pay three or four or $500 for part of a utility bill. And this was something that was going on with many of the houses in that neighborhood. It was like this phenomenon, people were just getting buried with these outrageous utility bills. With a small house, that's probably not going to happen because it's easier to heat it and we can kind of stay with each other and not have to worry about the unpredictability of the utilities. No matter how much the energy prices fluctuate, we'll probably stay pretty steady because it's a smaller space to heat. 
Also, it's a sound environmental choice, right? Because when you're using less energy, if you have a big house and you're cranking out oil heat, that's terrible for the environment. So you might have to invest in solar panels or something like that. But I'm probably more environmentally conscious where I live with a smaller home using oil heat than someone with a gigantic house that needs to rely on the solar panels. I'm probably more energy efficient and more beneficial to the environment than somebody who has a giant house with a swimming pool with chemicals and all that. So from an environmental standpoint, using less oil or less natural resources for heating and energy is actually a sound environmental practice. And remember, when you live in a small house, people have no idea how much money you have in the bank. That's one thing that I've learned. I've known some very wealthy people who actually live in very modest or small homes. And one of the benefits is people don't really know exactly how much they have in the bank because they're not wearing their bank account on the exterior of their home. You can't necessarily judge someone because they've got a big home and think, wow, they've got it figured out. They're rich. They could be drowning in debt. But on the other hand, if somebody lives in a smaller home, they may be very comfortable like that book, The Millionaire Next Door. And that has a nice ring to it. I'm going to have to put that on my reading list. Downloaded for free electronically from the library, of course. Check out my other podcast on how to do that. If you're living in a small house, don't look down on yourself. I love it. And I've reframed my thinking, reprogrammed my viewpoint so much that I'm really not drawn to any bigger house. If anything, I'd love to buy a vacation home. Why not? Thanks for listening to this episode of Little Debbie, a bite-sized version of the podcast Upcycling with Deb. I'm your host, Deb Colometta. You can reach me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Deb Colometta. I hope you'll get your free downloadable guide on my website, thedebsite.com.